Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 58 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers, of course, coming off of last night's outstanding performance against the New York Islanders, claiming a 6-2 victory, a win that was keyed by a five-point performance for Artemi Panarin, who continues to strengthen his case for at least being in the conversation for the MVP, if not a flat-out frontrunner for the award. And this was just a really nice moment for Ranger fans in general last night because You know, if you live around here in the Northeast, as I do, I'm sure we all know an Islander fan or two, and we've probably all been hearing it from them a little bit this season, but they all had to collectively kind of quiet down last night as the Rangers basically just took it to the Islanders. A little bit of a hiccup in the opening 30 seconds there, giving up a goal to Jordan Eberle, and it took them a while to find their footing, but once the Rangers indeed found their footing, they were off to the races. Six unanswered goals to take a 6-1 lead en route to the 6-2 victory. And we got to talk a little bit about Panarin here. Five points, he assists on the Rangers' first three goals and scores the fourth and the fifth. That is the second time in three games that a Ranger has come up with a five-point performance. Of course, it was Tony D'Angelo against the Devils, and now Artemi Panarin does it against the Islanders. So great opponents to do this against, by the way. You know, two of the Rangers' biggest rivals, just kind of taking it to them. And what else can you say about Panarin at this point? You know, I mean, he just... He has had a massive impact on this team, on this organization, and, you know, give the Rangers credit as well. They really had to pony up the dough to get Panarin to come here, but Panarin, he was the biggest free agent on the market. The Rangers went out, and they got their man, and it has paid off in just a massive way. We've talked a lot about Panarin this season, uh, but he has not been affected by the bright lights of New York City. He is as cool as the other side of the pillow out there. And again, especially with this performance, really starting to strengthen his case for a possible MVP. We recently did a crossover episode with Chris from Locked On Avalanche. And that was the first time that, you know, I kind of, t- I mean, I already, I already kind of had it in the back of my head that Panarin could be a little bit of a dark horse MVP candidate, but now maybe not so much of a dark horse because, I mean, he is right there with, you know, statistics wise with the best players in hockey. There are only two guys in front of him right now. They are Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But when I talked to Chris, you know, the point that I made was that if the Rangers make the playoffs, the case can easily be made that. Artemi Panarin has more value to the Rangers than any other player has to any other team currently. And this is also a good time to remind everyone that league MVP does not translate to best player in the league. Most valuable player is exactly what it sounds like. You know, which player is the most indispensable for his team? Which team would be in the most trouble if you took the MVP candidate away? And as far as Panarin's competition for the MVP award, and first of all, uh, Panarin currently with 26 goals and 41 assists after the five-point performance last night. So he's got 67 points on the season, third most in the NHL, and again, trailing only Connor McDavid, who has 71, and Leon Dreisaitl, who has 70. But what do McDavid and Dreisaitl have in common? Yeah, they both play for the Edmonton Oilers. So in my mind, it's not like Edmonton would be just royally screwed if you took either one of those guys out of the picture. 
and it would hurt them. It would undoubtedly hurt them to lose either one of those players. Obviously, they're both fantastic, you know, both going to be in the MVP conversation at the very least. Losing either one of those guys would hurt the Oilers, but they would still have the other one, and they would still have another MVP candidate on their team. So for that very reason, I I think in some ways those two kind of cancel each other out in the MVP voting. And again, not to take anything away from either one because they are both fantastic players. But bottom line, I just don't think that the Oilers losing one of McDavid or Dreisaitl would hurt them as bad as losing Panarin would hurt the Rangers. Because I just think that, you know, even again, if you lose either McDavid or Dreisaitl, you still got the other guy and you still got one of the absolute best players in the NHL. And then you you want to look a little bit further down the, you know, the leaderboard as far as points are concerned, right behind Panarin. You've got David Pasternak with 66 points, Nathan McKinnon with 66 points, and Brad Marchand with 63 points. And once again, you've got two guys on the same team because Pasternak and Marchand both on the Bruins, and that team is absolutely loaded top to bottom. They are stacked. Once again, you know, a bona fide Stanley Cup contender after, you know, going to the finals and losing in seven games to the Blues last season. So I feel like the Bruins, if you took either Pasternak or Marchand out of the picture, they could survive that and they would survive that and they'd still be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Now obviously you take away a player of that caliber, either Pasternak or Marshawn, it will hurt the Bruins, but I don't think it would kill them. I still think they would be up there, you know, toward the top of the league. I mean the Bruins have sixty six points right now. That's the third most in the NHL and they're only trailing the Capitals and the Blues who each have sixty seven points. So I mean they're right there as far as you know the president's trophy is concerned. And again, yes, losing Pasternak or Marshan would hurt the Bruins, but I don't think it would it would cause that team to, to fall into a tailspin. I, I just do not see that happening. There's way too much talent there. So again, both good MVP candidates, but the fact that they have such a good supporting cast around them and the fact that there's two of them, they're going to take votes away from each other. And so I think that kind of hurts both of their causes. Again, both fantastic players, but I think the fact that they have two MVP caliber players in essence basically means that neither one of them will ultimately win the MVP. And you could also make a case for Nathan McKinnon. You know, we, we talked about that with Locked On Avalanche the other night. And McKinnon, obviously, having a fantastic season there for the Avalanche. He's over a point per game. Uh, just really one of the best players in hockey, a young player, a guy who's going to be a fixture on the Avalanche for many, many years going forward. He's kind of leading the charge there as far as, you know, that team being at or near the top of the Western Conference right now, and a team that a lot of people were picking, you know, to make a deep playoff run, if not win the whole thing this offseason. They were my uh, preseason Stanley Cup champion prediction. I had the Avalanche beating the Maple Leafs in the finals. But yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of the same deal where McKinnon, maybe not quite as pronounced as, as the other guys I just mentioned, but he has a lot of support there, whether it's Jonas Donskoy or Miko Rantanen or Andre Burakovsky. I mean, he's got a lot of good players around him. And Kale McCarr even really could throw him in there as well. But the one thing I will say in making a case for Nathan McKinnon is he has 66 points and second on the team is McCarr with 33 points. So he has just an enormous lead over even the guy on the avalanche with the second most points. He has him doubled up. But if Nathan McKinnon had to miss some time, I think the Avalanche could keep their head above water. If Panarin had to miss some time, I think the Rangers would really be in a lot of trouble because you look where the Rangers are right now, and they're still six points out of the final playoff spot. And this is with Artemi Panarin playing every game and putting up video game numbers. So if you take Panarin out of the picture, if he's not on the Rangers this season, then I don't think we're even talking about the Rangers really even having a chance to make the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of a toss-up between those guys for me right now between Panarin and McKinnon. I think that if the Rangers miss the playoffs, then you got to give it to McKinnon. But we'll see because 
almost half the season remains. And obviously, these guys are not done doing what they do. And we'll just see how they stack up near the end of the season as far as stats goes. And as far as, you know, will the Rangers be a playoff team? Because I think it, it might come down to that. If, if the Rangers get into the playoffs, then I think Panarin needs a serious consideration for league MVP. And once again, I just want to reiterate that my biggest argument here in support of Panarin being the MVP of the league is not necessarily that he's the best player in hockey, although the way it's going right now, you know, maybe that case could be made. But regardless of whether or not Artemi Panarin is the absolute best player in the NHL, he right now, to me, is the most valuable because the Rangers don't have the kind of depth that a lot of these other teams have. Certainly, they don't have the depth of the Bruins, and really, I mean, the Oilers... Maybe not a ton of depth there, but just the fact that they have McDavid and Dreisaitl, to me, they kind of cancel each other out a little bit. And so the Rangers, you know, right now they are 22-19-4. They are six points out of the last wild card spot. But if the Rangers do find a way to sneak into the playoffs, I will spend every episode campaigning for Artemi Panarin to take home the MVP award. And it certainly was fun to see Panarin kind of strengthen his MVP case against the hated Islanders. Of course, you know, the Islanders were interested in Panarin in this offseason as well, and he picks the Rangers, and then in his first game against the Islanders, he goes out there and puts up five points. And I love the goal that, you know, he assisted Chris Kreider. Kreider, you know, goes to the net like he is one to do and deflects Panarin's shot home. And again, this just goes back to the whole idea of put the puck at the net. Put the puck at the net. The Rangers have kind of been preaching this and you know there were times earlier this season where they clearly were not shooting the puck enough I think recently we're starting to see this team shoot a little more freely just kind of when in doubt you know just put the puck at the net because good things happen like this and Panarin you know he's skating along the blue line just kind of flicks a wrist shot at the net and lo and behold Chris Kreider's there he gets his stick on it he puts it home and he gives the Rangers a two to one lead at that point and then both of Panarin's goals in the third period, this is when the game was really just kind of salted away because the Rangers go into the third period up 3-1, to one, and that's great, but, you know, the Islanders are a good team. They can score some goals, and Georgiev was really good in this game as well. I got to mention that. Uh, after the Islanders went up one nothing early in the game, they had another, you know, two or three scoring opportunities in the next, you know, minute and a half or two minutes that followed, and Georgiev was right there to make the saves. He made consecutive saves right after the goal was scored. I mean, the, the Islanders could have been up 2 nothing a minute into this game. And so I know I wanted Shesterkin in this game, and I still stand by the fact that Shesterkin's got to play. But, you know, props to Georgiev, because he hasn't played since January 4th, and I thought he was sharp in this game, and he came up big early in this game. Uh, this game could have gotten away from the Rangers, you know, if, if that puck goes in there, because you don't want to be having to crawl out of a 2 to nothing hole a minute into the game. But anyway, back to Panarin. Uh, both of his goals came in situations where he was one-on-one -on -one with the goalie, and that's pretty much a goal at this point in the season. I mean, Panarin is really feeling it right now, and I don't envy any goalie that has to stare down Artemi Panarin coming in on a breakaway. So Panarin scores 49 seconds into the third period. That puts the Rangers up 4-1. to one. There was a turnover, and he just went in alone and scored the goal. And then he lights the lamp again after receiving yet another pass from Ryan Strom. I mean, those two continue to click, and makes it 5-1, to 8.54 into the third period. And just like that, game pretty much over at that point. And since this is Rangers-Islanders, we definitely have to talk a little bit about some of the dust-ups in this game. Now, we mentioned in yesterday's episode that, you know, this is Rangers-Islanders. Emotions are going to run high. It's going to get nasty out there. But even I and maybe even a lot of you weren't really ready for this because we had two fights in the first two minutes and 13 seconds of this game. There's a neutral zone face-off, and Michael Haley and Ross Johnson immediately drop the gloves after the puck drops. And if I'm being objective here, you know, I got to say, I think Johnston won this fight. He's a tough guy, but Haley did great. You know, Haley, he absorbed some punishment early in the fight, but he came back late to land a couple of punches and at least get back into it. 
Lisa, you know, get his pound of flesh, so to speak. Uh, again, I think Johnson wins the fight, but Haley held his own against, you know, a really tough guy, a really tough opponent there. And then before the linesman can even drop the puck, you know, obviously Haley and Johnson both go off for the five-minute majors. Linesman's about to drop the puck, and again, we get another fight, and it's Brendan Smith against Matt Martin. And I'll give Smith the win by decision here. It's a close fight. I'll give Smith, you know, the slight edge. But because the puck hadn't quite been dropped by the linesman, both players are given game misconducts. It is a technicality, but I suppose it's one that does need to be enforced. And I think another thing that was going on here is I'm sure the refs at this point, you know, they know what kind of game it's going to be. You know, they're, they're not dumb. They know that it's Rangers Islanders. They know there's going to be some fisticuffs. They know there's going to be some extracurriculars. But I think maybe also here they probably want to take a handle on this game at least a little bit and not let it get completely out of control where, you know, there's another fight every two minutes. And so they did that, and both Smith and Martin tossed from the game game misconducts after the fight. Just a bad break for both players. I'm sure they both, you know, they're both looking to get the jump because they know they're going to fight. And I think that they both thought that the puck had been dropped. It had not been dropped. And that's why both guys kicked out of the game here. And then another incident at the end of the game, Brock Nelson basically just takes a run and Mika Zibanejad at center ice. And then Kreider jumps Nelson and, and the fight is on. And then D'Angelo ends up dropping the gloves with Johnston, which is a mismatch. But D'Angelo, you know, he's a gutsy kid. He's not going to back down from anybody. He'll fight anybody if the situation calls for it. D'Angelo and Johnson both get game misconducts, as does Chris Kreider. But I love seeing both Kreider and D'Angelo stand up for their teammate here because two different players on the Islanders took a run as a Zibanejad in the neutral zone. Now, Nelson's hit was clean. I'm not going to sit here and scream for him to be fined and for him to be suspended. But neither player on the Islanders here is really looking to make a hockey play. They're both just looking to take a run as a Zibanejad because it's late in the game. I believe it was 6-2 to two by this point. There's about five minutes left. The Islanders aren't going to win this game, so what are they going to do? They're going to try to throw their weight around and just take a run at one of the Rangers' best players. Uh, real tough guys there, you know, going after Mika Zibanejad. But the thing I love about this is that after Nelson basically just leveled Zibanejad, it was like a race between Kreider and D'Angelo to get to Nelson first. And Kreider got there just ahead of D'Angelo and, and engaged him in a fight. And that's kind of how D'Angelo got stuck going up against Johnson. But it was just great to see both these guys come to the aid of their teammate. You know, Mika Zibanejad, he's obviously not going to be out there dropping the gloves. And this is right after two different players in the Islanders, like I said, took a run at Zibanejad in the neutral zone. And you know, again, it was not a dirty hit by Brock Nelson. I'm not going to make it sound like it was. You could argue this is just a good, clean hockey play. But to me, a little bit over the top. It was just obvious at that point that the Islanders knew they were going to lose. And so, hey, let's target one of their superstar players. And, you know, if you want to if you want to mix it up at the end of the game, that's fine. But how about going after Michael Haley or even guys who you know, maybe not necessarily known for fighting, but guys who would be willing to fight in the right situation, like a Chris Kreider or like a Tony D'Angelo, both of whom were on the ice at that time. So for them to go after Zibanejad instead of, you know, Kreider or D'Angelo, I thought that was kind of weak, but, you know, it is what it is. It's Rangers-Islanders. These guys, both teams are going to look to impose their will on each other. Both teams are going to look to be physical, and neither team is going to hesitate to drop the gloves when the occasion calls for it, and that's what we saw here. You know, again, it's a lopsided game, and a lot of times lopsided games lead to fights and extracurriculars at the end, and that's exactly what happened here. You know, if, if it's a lopsided game between the Rangers and Islanders, it basically guarantees that there's going to be trouble near the end of the game, and that's what we got. But, you know, I thought Kreider did pretty well in the fight, and I thought D'Angelo hung in there as well. You know, Johnson kind of got the better of him, but D'Angelo, he, wa he wasn't backing down even at the end. You know, the linesmen are separate separating them, and, you know, D'Angelo's still chirping at Johnson. And it really is crazy 
that this is just the first of three games that the Rangers and Islanders are going to play against each other over the span of just eight days. And I don't know why the schedule makers thought that this was a good idea to do it this way. I mean, first of all, we all have to wait, whether you're a Ranger fan or an Islander fan, we all have to wait a long time to see these two teams play against each other. And who wants to wait more than half the season to see Rangers versus Islanders? So that's number one. Number two, to have these two bitter rivals face each other three times in eight days, a little bit of a recipe for disaster. You know, we're only one game into this thing, and already we've had four fights and four total game misconducts. So things are already out of control, and now they play each other again on Thursday. That will be must-see TV. That is appointment television right there. Do whatever you got to do. Call out of work. Do whatever you got to do. Leave work early. Whatever it takes, get yourself in front of a TV to see the Rangers play the Islanders this Thursday. It's going to be a thoroughly entertaining game, even if there aren't any extracurriculars, because it's a rivalry game and both teams want to win. But you can bet your bottom dollar there's going to be another, at least another fight or two in that game. I mean, I, I can't see any way possible that it doesn't happen, especially with how this game ended. And again, this was just the first of four matchups this year between the Rangers and Islanders. So going to be very, very entertaining to see what happens next. And then one other thing I want to touch on before we wrap up for today is the Denver Post ran a story where, I mean, I guess it was sort of a column where, you know, the writer opined that, you know, the Avalanche could be looking to trade for Henrik Lundqvist. And it's funny because, you know, myself and Chris Maselli from Lockdown Avalanche, we recently did a crossover episode and we touched on that very possibility. But I'm still taking this with a grain of salt. You know, the, the writer made some good points from the Post, you know, that the the one Achilles heel on the avalanche might be the goaltending right now. Philip Grubauer is in a little bit of a slump right now. And Pavel Francois, you know, kind of unproven and also a free agent at the end of the season. So it is possible that, you know, the avalanche could be a landing spot for Henrik Lundqvist. But again, all of this comes back to Lundqvist being willing to waive his no move clause. And it is possible that, you know, since the Rangers last approached him about this possibility, maybe Lundqvist does feel different and maybe he would think about going somewhere else to try to chase the Stanley Cup. It is possible, but I've just always got the impression, you know, you got to remember, we've we've known Henrik Lundqvist for a long time, so to speak, as Ranger fans. He's been here a long time. We've seen the ups, the downs, you know, the blood, the sweat, and the tears that he's left on this rink. We've seen all the interviews that he's done, and he's just always struck me as the kind of guy who is very loyal to the Ranger organization, and that it means a lot for him to play out his contract here, and that he's comfortable in New York, and that he doesn't really have any interest in going anywhere else, and that that's a big reason why he got that no move clause put into his contract. Now, it is possible that he would at least entertain the idea. You know, it's different now. The Rangers are still full fledged into this rebuild, and they are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. And even if they get into the playoffs, I can't sit here and honestly tell you guys that I think the Rangers are going to win the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I mean, the Avalanche, listen, they're second or third in the Western Conference. They have a great team, and maybe he would entertain the idea of going over to Colorado and trying to chase the Stanley Cup with the Avalanche. It is possible. It's one of those things. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, maybe we'll break this whole situation down in more detail in a future episode because, again, you know, the Rangers, they're going with this three-goalie system right now, and they are 3-1 and one ever since Shesterkin was called up. So it's not like it's killing them standings-wise and win-loss-wise. But I just look at this, and it's like, I don't know how you keep all three of these goalies, A, happy, and B, productive because – you're not going to be able to get them into the game enough to keep all of them sharp. There are just too many mouths to feed right now. And I do think Shesterkin will get the bulk of starts going forward. I will be stunned if he's not in there on Thursday against the Islanders. 
But beyond him, I don't know how you possibly give enough stars to Henrik Lundqvist and Alex Georgiev. And maybe the fact that he's now not just in a timeshare, but in a timeshare with two other goalies, maybe Lundqvist now will at least entertain the thought of being traded to the Avalanche or, or anywhere else, really. And again, we'll continue to talk about this goalie situation. I know I've talked about it a lot, but it is one of the biggest stories on the team right now. And there's a couple of different ways that this could play out for the Rangers and for all three goalies. Again, just got to wait and see what happens. And that's going to pretty much do it for today. We will be back here tomorrow with a brand new episode for you guys. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LONYRangers. Again, that is at LONYRangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.